Well, good morning, Greenwich. Welcome back. It is Monday, January 4th, the 11th day of Christmas. Christmas is still going on. It is great to be gathered back after a couple weeks of rest and refreshment. I pray that your Christmas celebration with family or friends in whatever shape it has taken has gone well for you and that you are um, glad with the, the message of the season. Been reflecting upon that message. If you were able to uh, attend church or, or uh, join virtually, continuing to think about Christmas and how we practice it and how we can deepen and extend our experience of the incarnation, the birth of Christ and what that means in our lives. So anyway, it's good to be back. Um, eager for uh, another year. <laughs> uh, we've been at this for almost a year. Started last March and now we're January. So what does that make it? About 10 months of, of doing this. Um, our morning psalm, want to continue that same pattern, a morning psalm and then a, a, a series of reflections. And so uh, the morning psalm today is Psalm 4 one of my favorites. Um, this is for the director of music with stringed instruments, so intended to be sung. It's a Psalm of David. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O oh men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Amen. That's Psalm 4. It's a, it's a psalm that really just sits in that place of trust. Answer me when I call, O oh my righteous God, give me relief from my distress. Uh, be merciful, hear my prayer. So it begins out of the context of need, which is mostly how we come to God, right? We, we mostly uh, turn to God in prayer when we sense ourselves in some uh, place of need distress as as David says it here and then again there's some interaction with the outside world how long will you how long O oh men will you turn my glory into shame how long will you love delusions and seek false gods so there's this sense of being set upon by others and the others are not God followers uh, they're idolaters and then this assurance the the Lord has set apart the godly for himself the Lord will hear when I call to him. Love that. This, this assurance that David has that I think we can have, uh, 
uh, it's available to us, this assurance that God will hear when we call to him. And then kind of like David doing some self-talk. In your anger, do not sin when you're on your bed. So he's, I know he's kind of praying out or speaking out, but it's the sense of don't go to bed steamed. Don't go to bed, you know, breathing out, I'm going to pay those people back for all they've done to me. Search your hearts. Offer right sacrifices, the sacrifice of praise, the sacrifice of gratitude. Um, and, and then this, I love this language, let the light of your face shine upon us. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And so, kind of kind of it's maybe said it at uh, bedtime and that last verse I think I've shared before it was one of is one of our bedtime prayers our kids are grown now but I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone O Lord make me dwell in safety so there's this I can rest at night not I don't have to be angry I can offer my prayers my, my need my petitions uh, to God the Lord will hear when I call to him answer when I call, oh God, be merciful, hear my prayer. And so what I want to talk about, I think last we met um, in uh, December, I said I wanted to do some Bible study, and I want to do that, and will do that, but I was thinking about the book of Ephesians, it's going to delay that a little bit. I want to come back, I want to talk about this concept of having a rule of prayer, or a rule for prayer. I've heard it said both ways, which sounds kind of strange. We hear the language of rule, and we're thinking rules and regulations, right? I mean, like, okay, you've got to do this. And so God has a rule for prayer, and if you don't pray, God's going to be mad at you, or there's a... It's, and that's not what it means. It, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little more, but essentially what I want to do for the next... It'll probably be about three weeks, probably the, the balance of, of this month, of January. I want to take that uh, pastor's class on praying the Psalms that I recorded at the early part of the pandemic. I think I recorded that week two, the second full week, and um, probably was a little herky-jerky trying to just get it out there and get it in front of people. And I want to kind of unpack that, lengthen it a little bit instead of five lessons. I want to just, you know, linger with it for, for some time and talk about this practice of praying the Psalms, but I want to do it under the rubric of the notion of a rule of prayer, okay? That's, that's some old-timey language. But I want to offer initially three questions, okay? Just think, what is your earliest memory of prayer. As you just think about your life, growing up, childhood, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Is that, you know, your your first prayer? That, that for me, it's that, and God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And so being taught to pray those bedtime prayers and, and table prayers uh, by my folks, probably my mom mostly, um, so what is your earliest memory of prayer? So just kind of go there. Probably haven't thought about this for a, a long time, if ever. 
who is it that taught you to pray? So for me, I, I learned prayer in the home and then subsequently have learned to pray in by other mentors and friends and passive ways that are reading books and, and the like. So who taught you to pray? The disciples came to Jesus, teach us to pray. <laughs> And so Jesus, imagine having Jesus be your teacher, right? Uh, teaching you how to pray. And then I guess the question, the third question is, how have you grown in prayer from that earliest memory? Are you still saying, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That, that wouldn't be bad. But I wonder if it might also indicate that there hasn't been, excuse me, much growth over time. So, you know, things we learn to do as children, as we, we build on that. We learn our ABCs, our one, two, threes, and then we build on that. Learning how to read and write at, at deeper levels, more expansive, more mature levels. And so, so with prayer, prayer ought to be one of those activities, one of those skills, if I could say it that way, that we, that we grow in over time, that we mature and, and expand, and so that our prayer lives would be expansive instead of our prayer lives being a small thing, kind of a reduced, but it, it's something that expands and grows uh, over time, okay, and develops and, and matures. So a few observations that, that I've made. I was ordained in 1992, so what does that make that now? 20, 28, nearly 29 years of this pastoral ministry, but then I was engaged in non-ordained ministry as a youth leader for some years and then seminary. So I've been at this in some form or other in Christian leadership you know, for well over 30 years. <clears throat> and my observation is that many people, might even say most, but many people feel a bit ashamed or kind of inadequate with respect to their prayer life. That, that's just an observation I've made. I'm not trying to make that as a judgment and being critical. Just in conversation with people over time, Few of us feel like, yeah, I love my prayer life and it's going great, okay? There are some, certainly. But for most of us, um, and put my hand up, you know, in that camp in, in, in some ways, I wish I prayed more. That's the thing, I wish I prayed more. So very few people say, oh yeah, I, I, I play, pray plenty. Most of us are like, yeah, I know I should pray more than I do. <laughs> But I'm really busy, you know, so the, the, the reasons for that sense of shame or inadequacy, um, the, the reasons are many, but it usually wraps around, I'm busy, you know, I, it's noisy around my house, I've got people, I can't, you know, when the kids are small, it's hard for, you know, young moms and dads to, to always find some, some quiet time. So, so an observation is that many of us feel a bit ashamed and inadequate. Um, 
Few of us have received formal instruction in prayer. And by that, I don't mean like going to prayer school, like, you know, you go and, you know, you go to college and you, you know, get your bachelor's degree and then you go to grad school and get a master's. Um, but what I mean by formal instruction is most of us learn to pray kind of by bits and pieces. We pick things up by osmosis, okay? We go to church, we hear how the preacher, we hear how people around us, we, we might be in some committees or some other um, Christian gatherings and we hear how people pray. We pick up certain phrases uh, of, you know, from others. We might read a book or two uh, along the way. But few of us receive anything resembling what I'm going to try to do for the next couple of weeks, kind of a, a way, a, 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 an outline, an instruction in prayer. Now, what I'm going to offer is not comprehensive. It doesn't cover every form of prayer, everything about prayer, but, but it'll be a base. It'll be a foundation upon which we can build. So few of us have been instructed. Uh, in prayer. So who taught you to pray? Okay, well, mom, mommy or daddy, right? You know, or maybe it was a youth leader. But usually that instruction is, is limited uh, in, in scope. I have observed over time that praying out loud for many Christians is a terrifying experience. Um, I'm in that position of praying out loud often and that, 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 that cuts both ways. I'm comfortable doing it and happy to do it. I'm not intimidated, honored by the opportunity uh, to lead groups and individuals in prayer. The downside of that is because I've done it a fair amount, I, find, I have found that people feel intimidated. Oh, you pray so well. Why don't Why don't you pray? I, you know. So there's that shame, right? There's that sense of mm, I'm a little embarrassed, you know, that I don't know how to pray out loud very well. And so, <clears throat> you know, we we leaders learn who it is we can call on over time. Because I don't want to put I don't want to embarrass anybody intentionally. And speaking in public is one of, you know, it's a common fear that that, that many people share. So praying out loud is a form of public speaking, if you could think of it that way. And so I have observed that many folks are very uncomfortable uh, in praying out loud. And, you know, when I've called on somebody who, as it turns out, is a bit uncomfortable, it becomes known, you know, they, they fumble about. And, and it, so, you know, I just, it's something I just pay attention to. Um, <clears throat> I guess the other observation I'll make from my own reading and study and just Christian practice uh, over a number of years now, um, actually coming up tomorrow is uh, January 5th, is what I consider to be my spiritual birth date, uh, January 5th, 1981, um, to date my grandmother died, my mother's mother, and so just my awakening was, was happening, and so that seemed to be a, a date that I would I kind of hold on to. So 40 years, I'm at the 40 year mark of following Jesus. And over those 40 years, what I've learned is that prayer is long, has long understood, uh, has been long understood to be the central activity 
that is essential to a mature life of faith. There are other activities, okay? Going to worship, reading the scriptures, bearing witness, sacrifice, service, um, giving, fasting. There are a number of activities that we engage in that do promote spiritual growth, but ultimately, prayer is at the heart of it. That the saints of old were people of prayer. The mature Christians that you look up to, that have mentored you, that have encouraged you, that have supported you, that you you uh, kind of want to model your life after, that you go to for counsel, they're all people of prayer. Whether they talk openly about that or not, but prayer is central, it's foundational, it's at the heart of a maturing life in faith. And, and uh, people who pray with maturity and understanding are not braggy about it, right? They're not showy about it. It's just, it's just part of their life. There's, a, there's an intimacy with God. That, um, there's a conversation that is, there, there's a comfort in that conversation. And that comfort is not necessarily casual or um, sloppy or... Hey God, how you doing up there? You know, um, it's there's reverence and there's honor and there's respect, but there's comfort. It, there, there's a relationship that's established, and and I suspect you you understand that as you're hearing that, and and that's been central to your maturity, right? Uh, and some may be watching this or listening uh, to this that um, that's. I want to pray more. I wish I prayed more. Help me to pray more. And that's what I want to do. Um, one of my passive mentors, I have met Eugene Peterson, he's deceased now, but I met Eugene um, on a couple occasions, and um, but have read I, nearly all his books. And uh, he's the one who set me on to this, uh, you know, praying of the Psalms. And he says the pastor's primary task is to teach people to pray. Not to lead the church, not to organize the committees, not to raise funds, not even to go visit uh, people in the hospital or in their homes. But the central task that the pastor has is to teach the flock to pray. Okay, and he, that's just his understanding and that has shaped my pastoral understanding. And so, um, New Year's is a time that many people make a resolution. That is, they want to live a better life, okay? I don't care what you call it. I hope you do want to live a better life. And so, in line with that, I thought this is what I'd like to talk about to start the year. And then we'll get into some other Bible study and other topics as the year unfolds. So we'll have plenty of time to explore lots. But this is foundational, this is central, and so I think I'm gonna do this. And so the idea is, um, I would encourage you to make it your purpose for this year, and hopefully way beyond this year, to develop or deepen a rule of prayer, okay? Now, it, it, that's some old-timey language, 
rule comes from a Latin word regula, which is where we get our word regulation. Okay, so you can hear that. Rules and regulations. We typically think then, oh yeah, we're going to throw the rule book at you. Um, we've learned some new games um, uh, at Christmas uh, as a family. That's something we enjoy doing. And, and, and it's an interesting process. You have to open up the rule book. You have to Here's the pieces, here's the game board, here's how the action unfolds, and then you have to go back and consult the rule book. But what the rule book does is it structures the activity. You can't play the game without knowing the rules. And often there are disputes about the rules, right? You, assuming you've played some games over time, and, and so the, the, the concepts are related, okay? But a rule of prayer is not thinking, you know, God's going to throw the rule book at us. It's more, so it's not like policing or uh, enforcing, you know, go to the principal's office, you broke the rules. Rules are there to provide structure, right? Um, they they secure the community they they guide the community here's how we do things we talk about unwritten rules okay there's unwritten rules and then there's written rules but a rule a regula is um, an articulated way it's an it's a, it's a formal expression you can define it you can you can observe it it's a formal expression that gives structure to an activity or a group that are engaged in common and shared life together, okay? So it sounds kind of philosophical here, kind of opaque, but, but I hopefully it makes sense. So the rules of society, the rules you know, for your household, the rules in the school, the rules there to provide safety and security and structure and freedom so that when you're operating within the rules, then you're playing, you're living, you're enjoying, you're engaged in activity. And the rule provides kind of a boundary, not to punish people, but to actually protect people, okay? So a regula is about structure. And so a rule for prayer is, it, it's, it's finding structure for your prayer life. Okay, instead of just, well, I'll, I'll say this prayer today and that prayer tomorrow and I'll skip a few days and one day it's in the morning, one day it's in the evening, one day it's not, um, or many days it's not, um, or whatever. And so that would be like coming down and, you know, let's deal the cards. Well, what are we playing? I don't know. What do you feel like playing? I'll play this while you play that. And so, so no, we agree. <laughs> And then as a community, we have some shape to it. So individually, a regula, a rule of prayer, is where I come and I set aside a time, both 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I, I kind of make it a goal to, to spend more than just, now I lay me down to sleep, <laughs> you know, 18 seconds saying my prayer, but that I, I carve out in my day time 
my day will not be complete until I have engaged God through prayer. Okay, so it's setting time apart, be it 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, making that a goal, okay, so you structure it. And then I have found I have to set that time at a certain point in the day. So for me, I pray in the morning. Uh, Eric gave reference yesterday in the, the morning sermon to a friend of his who prayed at night because he wasn't a morning person. There is no, God is happy either way. But in order to have a rule of prayer, set a time. That gives structure. That way you know you can organize your life around that. Hey, I know I begin my day with prayer. So I get up, you know, I, I get dressed, um, I, have my, I get my tea, <laughs> I make my little cup of tea, and then I sit down, I read four chapters of the Bible, okay? So I read chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Genesis today. And then I went through the five Psalms from day four. And so this is the structure. I did it this morning. It's not at the same time slavishly, but it's in the same time in my day. It's at the beginning of my day. Typically it's you know, in that 5.30 to 6 to 6.30 time frame. For me, that's, that's how it works for me. The pattern then is, so the, the, the regula, a rule of prayer, sets time aside, 15, 20, 30 minutes, at a particular time of day that begins to become a habit, that begins to set a pattern for your life. And so your life begins to be patterned around that, okay, my morning prayers. And then a rule of prayer will have a pattern to it. And so for me, I have found the five Psalms a day in this particular chart, this, this, this order that I will, will share. That pattern gives freedom. Because I, I, I'm not always in the same emotional state. I'm not always in the same state of alertness. Some days I'm just, I've stayed up late you know, watching a ball game like I did last night. The pattern gives me freedom. I don't have to do the thinking of, gee, what am I going to pray about today? Hmm. And so the five Psalms give structure. Now, this is a blank index card, but in my book, just like this upstairs, it's covered with names. People, uh, some of your names are on my prayer card that folks say, hey, will you pray for me? Yes is my answer. And I write it down, which helps me then to remember to pray. It, it prompts me, okay? And so I have just found my memory leaks. So if I write it down, I will keep that person and I recall the situation and I keep them uh, before the Lord in prayer. But it provides then a rhythm and a practice. So, so now I've been doing this since 1992, so February of 92 is when I first started thinking about and beginning to practice the, the praying of the Psalms. So that's almost 30 years of doing this, uh, 29 years, I guess now. And just over time, that shapes you, right? To, to pray the same set of prayers, which for some people, that's hard to do. And it was, frankly, for me. I'll talk more about that in, in, in coming days. But the rule of prayer is a pattern, it's a structure, it's a rhythm, it's a, it's, 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 it's a way of framing 
the activity so that within that, then when we've got the, when we understand the rules, so to speak, then I'm free to explore and go deep and go wide and go high. I can expand within that, but it provides a safe structure, a container. I know I'm going to have my morning worship. I have a, the same place I sit, okay, and that's part of me. That's my praying chair, okay. I got a praying chair right, right upstairs. And so, that's that's the concept behind a rule of prayer. And so, the, just to kind of close out, the structure provides freedom. There are a lot of people who think no structure limits freedom. I would beg to differ, okay? The structure, so um, I have a structure to this home. It, it's got a foundation and, and, and walls and a roof and doors. And so knowing that structure is sound and secure gives me freedom to live, right? If there's a hole in the roof, if the structure is faulty, if the foundation is cracked, I'm not free to live. I've got to pay attention to the structure. I've got to fix. I got to call the guy to fix my roof. I got to call the people to fix the the, the crack in my foundation. And so the structure. Uh, I've told the story before. Um, the first church we served had a, a parsonage, a manse right next to the church. It did not have a fence around it, and we had little children. And so the men of the church got together and they built a fence around that so that we could have our child go out into the backyard and know that he wouldn't run into the alley and get run over. Or, And so the fence, that structure, provided freedom and comfort. Our son can go outside and he wasn't old enough to climb over the, climb over the fence. And so there's a freedom that we have, a freedom that he has. He can just play anywhere in the yard, stay within the fence, and you're fine. So the, 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 the regular, the structure, the, the patterns, the rhythms, the practice gives us freedom to then become, to, to mature in fruitfulness. And we grow over time. So in, in reading Psalm 4, so I've read it twice today, you know, first upstairs and then and now uh, in this recording, and there's something there that just deepens and, and, and matures. So anyway, I want to stop there, introduce the concept, and then I'll talk about one particular rule of prayer. Um, I, I mean, I'll, maybe I'll share others, but I, I want to talk over the next several weeks about the rule of prayer that has made such a difference in my life and the lives of many whom I know. So, so let's close with prayer. Uh, thankful that God is merciful uh, and does uh, hear our prayers when we call. So let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you as we begin this new year together and uh, join the journey again of, of daily uh, reflection and prayer and study and fellowship in this virtual way. Pray for all who, who are listening and, and, and watching that there would be a, a fruitfulness and a freedom that would come to each of our lives uh, through Christ as we learn the rule of prayer, as we uh, deepen and mature in our understanding of your word and these psalms and um, for other rules of prayer, other patterns and structures that, that uh, people follow. I thank you. 
And so, Father, uh, shine your face upon us. Cause your face to shine upon us, as the psalmist said, that we may be fruitful, that we may uh, enjoy you and one another. And so we ask you to lead us afresh into this new year as we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may God bless you and keep you as we begin this new year together. And may God secure and keep the lives not only of your family, but your loved ones near and far. Amen.